Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman splaining with me, David Yoder, and my uninformed friend, Dennis St. John. Three, two, one. Jimmy Olsen. Giant turtle Jimmy Olsen. Yeah. <laughs> we got a lot of Jimmy Olsen this week. Hey, so welcome to Jimmy Olsen's explaining. Jimmy Olsen is going to do the explaining of the comics? <laughs> I feel like I got really into Jimmy Olsen's head. No, this is Superman explaining. And as you guys know, every few months or whenever I get enough points, Dennis St. John takes over from David Yoder. Yeah. So you're Dennis, <laughs> and I, I'm David, and I'm 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 super stoked to hear about these uh, Jimmy Olsen comics that you read from j- yeah I, just the brief glimpses you sent to me. Yeah, I decided uh, I got to read like one Superman comic every like fifty points, so I decided to read uh, Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen number fifty three from nineteen sixty one which is the famous cover of Jimmy as a giant turtle man smashing a Metropolis bridge and Superman saying, Jimmy, I warned you not to experiment with that growth ray. It turned into a super menace, and now I must remove you from the earth. <laughs> but that is so... There's no like way around that. He, he's like, I'm going to take you off the planet. Yeah, all the way off. <laughs> So uh, this cover is pretty famous, and one of the things it's kind of famous for is that it was inspired by a pulp comic, I mean a pulp novel, Thrilling Wonder Stories from July of 1940, and the story in that was called Out of the Depths by H.L. Gold, Gold, and I read this also, so I'm going to describe that a little. Okay, I I didn't know this, like this makes perfect sense, but the... uh... The the images that you sent me, the first one being the the old pulp cover, I was just like, wow, this is well, it's amazing because it's like a fully painted old pulp yeah. style cover, but it's like a lizard man that looks, and he's doing the same thing to the bridge. He's twisting that bridge. He's tearing apart the bridge. He's got the giant bulging eyes, and instead of Superman, it's like a spaceship flying at him. Yes, and also I really like his mohawk. That's pretty fun. His spike <laughs> yeah. mohawk. He's like a crazy red reptile man. So this story was written by H.L. Gold, who, according to Wikipedia, also wrote for DC Comics in the early 40s. He wrote for Superman, Superboy, as well as Batman, Boy Commandos, and Wonder Woman. Uh, So I thought that was kind of interesting. (laughs) So I'll just quickly describe the story. And then when we get to the Turtle Boy story, you can tell me if there's any similarities or not. Okay. (laughs) So it starts all from the monster's point of view. Zars, an amphibian from the race Malness, awakens on a slab in the depths of the ocean to find he's the last survivor of an experiment. But experimental surgery by another alien, um, I'm sorry, not alien, by another amphibian creature called Clough, who explains <laughs> that his synthetic lungs will let him walk on land for a few days, and then he must return to the sea for another surgery. His giant race ruled the earth in the days of the dinosaurs. Wow. So the first part of his mission is he needs to go to the South Pole to get in a, get all this atomic equipment and then to the North Pole to assemble the atmos- the atomic equipment to nuke the Earth. With Santa Claus? To make it warmer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's going to melt the polar ice caps and he's going to make the, wor- the world warmer. Well, he, and his motivation... He just needed to wait like a hundred years, like global warming. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. His motivation is um, to make the world uninhabitable for an alien race called Rofubians that invaded the Earth millions of years ago and will return again. There's so much in this story. <laughs> so he swims to the surface to invade, um, <laughs> and he does it successfully. He, like, builds the weapon and sets it off, and then he starts, like, walking across the land. And he, like, is thinking to himself about how all of the land dwellers apparently like died out thousands of years ago or so he thinks Mm -hmm. um then he sees a tower and he marches to it 
and it's a tower built by the invaders, the Rofubians, and they start attacking him with their spaceships and shooting lightning from the spaceships. And so he, like, destroys them, and he, like, once he smashes the ships, he finds them. They're really tiny, like, human-sized, which is tiny to him, mm-hmm. and they, like, are sitting, like, are in these, like, um, little bubble suits. So he wrecks that place, and he keeps walking. He comes across a, a cow. He has no name for it. He's just like, wow, what a neat animal. He picks it up and plays <laughs> it with it in his hand. Then he starts to come across humans, and he's like, gets shocked that he's like, the Earth Dwellers, they're still alive. They survived this thing from thousands of years ago. And he starts walking towards more technology, because he's then convinced, like, if I can communicate to the Land Dwellers, we can team up against the Refubians. So he's, he keeps walking, and he eventually gets to New York. That's where he smashes the bridge. Mm-hmm. He doesn't mean to, but the humans are attacking him. Yeah, right? they're just getting in his way. <laughs> yeah. And, like, their attacks are pretty meaningless to him, unless they hurt his giant bulging eyes, which are giant because he's from the depths of the ocean, and they popped oh, that big when he walked to the surface. Eventually, the Refubians show up, and they team up with the humans to destroy him, so they kill him. And that's when, like, his point of view ends... And then it comes Whoa, to that's suddenly... crazy to have him telling the story and then just be like, well, we're done with that guy. Yeah. And then we cut to like human scientists who are examining this and they have a recording of the of Zars saying like, why are you attacking me? I'm your friend. Oh, so you talk, and they're you able spoke to... English. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, he it turns out he was speaking ancient, ancient Greece. And that's how he fa- they found out that these uh, the Zars was from Atlantis, ah. and he thought when the surface dweller, you know, he thought that the whole world was attacked back when Atlantis sunk. Um, but they find out from this that the Refubians are actually the bad guys, and that they're going to change the Earth's atmosphere into chlorine. And they find out just enough, just in time to start choking from the chlorine, and then like. But it's not too late. The scientists were in Washington, and they attacked the Refubians, and it's all because of this giant monster that saved the day. <laughs> wow. Th- this is a, b- a crazy story. Uh, so, Zars is the guy that dies. <laughs> yeah. Clough, is he a giant monster, too? Or what's the deal? Do they say... I was... It was very hard for me to tell, based on the descriptions, because it sounded at first like Zars was the last of his giant race. But then later they describe, like, when he's walking near the water, that he sees these giant, other giant whales that are his friends. And I'm like, is that what, are they whale-sized? I don't know. (laughs) It was kind of hard for me to understand, like, what, is a little hard for me to understand, like, the hows and where's of what was going on in that story, just because it was so, like, weirdly hyperbolically written and stuff. Right. I'm kind of (laughs) impressed with, like, the, like I said, the point of view being from the monster like and also yeah. just the world building of all the stuff with atlantis and then like an alien invasion that happened millions of years ago but the earth survived <laughs> and also trying to nuke the ice caps yeah there's a bunch of crazy stuff in there um i gotta say i'm sorry to slow down get you getting into jimmy olsen but like the main thing that was running through my head when i saw like the one-to-one of that pulp cover and then the Jimmy Olsen cover was, it reminded me how in the, the biography about uh, Siegel and Schuster that I read that like Jerry Siegel would just kind of like lift outright, like stuff from other like science fiction pulp (laughs) stories that he had read and like, you know, change them very slightly, you know, like, um, but I'm sure that happened a lot back in the day when like, you know, it was like in a medium that was getting invented and stuff, you know, like, like, yeah. One thing that's crazy to me in these stories that come up. So these are all, according to the internet, as far as I can find, these are all written by Jerry Siegel. Oh, so he's maybe throwing he... out... <laughs> yeah. it's more than an but homage. He's, thro- he's throwing out so many crazy ideas in every story. Like, you know, this is three short stories and each three, each story has more crazy ideas than like, I normally see in like five comics put together now, you know? Yeah. That's, that's a, that's a good point of like how these, what are they like? Maybe like 12 page, like individual stories, you know, and there's like three or four of them would be in one issue of back in the day comics. And like those 12 page stories are crazy. Like they go, they go places 
that like yeah. they throw you don't out, get like, as much in are... the six issue arc of modern day comics. Yeah, yeah. Like, there are like fully realized crazy ideas that only take two panels. You know, right? I mean, yeah. I I can't wait for you to get into it, but yeah, like from when you covered was it the last time or um, but the the story about him shooting the magic yeah. light out of his fingers. <laughs> With the tiny Superman, yeah, yeah, that one was wild. Yeah, well, this one is, feels similar. Hopefully, there's no uh, derogatory terms in this one that we have to work around. <laughs> no, I don't think there were. Not any that I caught, anyway. All right. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. Let's get into it. <laughs> all right. So the first story in this book, uh, yeah, all of these, as far as I can tell, are written by Jerry Siegel and art by Kurt Swan, and none of these are credited in the book, but that's what the internet tells me. And I believe them because there, there is a really mad consistency to to these stories. Mm. Like I think two, yeah, two of the three stories involve just random duplicates of people that is not part of the plot. It's just like, (laughs) yeah, of course, like there's multiples of Clark and Lois, like throughout history and in different cities. Right. (laughs) (laughs) That's clearly just a seagull thing. Uh You know? And they're all also very drawn, drawn very tight and consistent, like Kurt Swan. The, so, it, it, yeah, the I saw the the old past Clark Kent that I don't know. Yeah, and what you're saying it makes me think of like Back to the Future. How it's like, well, we got to have our main actors in here. So, like, <laughs> when we go go back to the old West, even though it doesn't make sense that you know, yeah, the descent, why would another Tannen look like? Well, and Biff, right? Especially Leah Thompson <laughs> being the mom, like her genetic family should not be in the old west married to the mcflies back yeah then <laughs> married to somebody who looks exactly like uh yeah marty that's a little weird let's not examine it no <laughs> so the first story here is called jimmy olsen the boy in the bottle <laughs> so superman flies jimmy up to the fortress of solitude because superman just wants to do some experiments on him uh this is what it's like being best friends with superman is you are just like the test subject you're the on guinea some experiments. pig yeah <laughs> superman's main goal is just he wants to enlarge the bottle city of candor but he can't constant problem but what he does have is an exchange ray and he can swap jimmy out for a candorian and the- <laughs> And that Kandorian is Van Z, who just happens to be a double of Superman, and he's a scientist. Oh, that's so, that's Van... so weird. <laughs> so Van Z and Superman can then spend like a day or whatever, like working on this science problem together because they're both scientists. So they swap out. So they swap out. Jimmy meets Van Z's wife, who just happens to also be a double of Lois Lane, uh... but she's a Kryptonian. <laughs> No, she's also human, and she gives Jimmy a memory pillow and gravity shoes so that he can walk and learn Kryptonian while he sleeps. Wait. It's not why, explained wh- why. Why is she a not human? Not explained. <laughs> I assume that this is a story from, like, a previous, like, issue, but Did they do not give me any editor notes. <laughs> maybe, like, Superman saw in the bottle, like, hey, there's this guy that looks just like me. I'm going to find a Lois for him. No, he found, yeah, he found a Lois doppelganger. (laughs) And then he's like, well, I already have Lois. He's like, but (laughs) shrink her down and put her. And like this Lois and Clark have kids and everything, but these kids are gone without their dad because Van Van Z switched out with Jimmy. So before long, uh, Superman and Van Z find out that the exchange gun stopped working uh, because it needs a rare element that they wore out and that, is only found in space, and, like, space seems to be out of it. Don't you hate so, that? <laughs> J- Jimmy is now stuck tiny, and Van Z is tuck- stuck giant. And they're like, well, Jimmy, you can live uh, you can live as a tiny person on Earth or as a regular-sized person in Candor. He immediately almost gets eaten by an alien cat. <laughs> uh, so he realizes, like, he needs to live in Candor. Venusian cat. Yeah. <laughs> Here's, I think, one of the really weird things, and one of those things where, like, this is a giant idea that they just aren't even doing anything with. While this whole rest of the story is Jimmy and Kandor, at the same time, there's a second Superman on Earth who has all of... looks like Superman and has all Superman's powers. That is not a story. (laughs) They never go back to that. Yeah. Maybe it's because... I know back in the, like, the Golden Age or Silver Age days, like, Superman had all his, like, super-powered robot 
duplicates as well that he would just like use whenever <laughs> yeah like, so maybe it wouldn't even be a weird thing for like anybody yeah i wonder how many times like because you had mentioned before about with super stories of superman dying if it was just like a superman robot in those yeah stories because they could just do stuff did you did did jimmy olsen give his consent to become tiny and switch <laughs> lives with yeah he was fine with it he thought it'd be fun okay <laughs> but he didn't know that he would be stuck like that forever Right. So now Jimmy has to get a job. Um, (laughs) (laughs) This is where he's going with these problems. Jimmy's job problems is what I named this section. Uh, He decides he can't get a job at the Candor newspaper because it would make him miss the Daily Planet so much. He gets a job as an Earth monitor because, of course, like, Candor just has, like, these rays that can look at Earth. And he's supposed to write down, like, big events that happen, which is kind of like reporting anyway. But he doesn't see it as the same. But he immediately abuses his power and starts using it to to spy on his girlfriend, Lucy Lane. That's the very first thing he does. Jimmy! <laughs> <laughs> and he immediately sees that she started to date um, a pilot. And, like, he watches... Wait, how long uh, has he been gone for? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, two days at this point. At this point. <laughs> He really just watches her making out with him, and he gets really really upset, and he's like, I can't have this job because I'll just watch, like, Lucy make out with this pilot all the time, so he quits. <laughs> um, that's very creepy of Jimmy, but also, damn, Lucy moves on fast. It's just like, yeah, eh. Dude, Lucy is out of control. That's what I've learned from these stories. <laughs> don't, like, don't hang your heart on Lucy. Um... So, uh, then he gets a job at, like, a Candor Arboretum that has all sorts of strange plants. Uh, there he sees, Lu- he sees Lucy Lane, like, beckoning to him ex- after he accidentally walks to the forbidden part of the, of the Arboretum. And before he's about to be eaten, uh, they stop him because it turns out he was being seduced by the, like, spores of a man-eating plant that lures men in with their, like, greatest wishes. <laughs> So, yeah, whew. so he quits that job because he knows he's got, this is going to happen to him again. Just the forbidden plant section in the arboretum. That yeah. Also, the idea of Superman, like, I mean, I get it that he's like, oh, I have the the bottle city of all these Kryptonians. I want to make them normal sight, but like, he he is Superman. He has all of his powers on Earth. He's like a very good just person and like i know kryptonians are supposed to be like you know higher level people but like (laughs) there's probably some jerk like kandorians that you're then gonna give like yeah i mean i think this is one of those things that would maybe be like maybe lux luther is right maybe this is an invasion right yeah (laughs) um so the next job that jimmy olsen gets is being like a steward at a rocket company and what do you need rockets for inside a bottle city? I don't know. That's not explained. But people like to go on rockets. <laughs> and it's basically like an airplane um, where they, you know, but it immediately crashes into like the Candor jungle. But Jimmy saves everybody from a giant monster thanks to a projector ray that a scientist on the flight had. Uh, Jimmy falls in love, of course, with um, a stewardess who looks just like Lucy Lane, well, who works with okay. him. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but this other Lucy Lane says she's married. Quote, here in Candor, rocket stewardess, stewardesses can keep can still keep their jobs after marriage, uh, which is not a comment on Candor. That's a comment on America in 1961. Yeah, I like the, the implication of like, well, you are working, so that must mean you're single. Yeah. And ready so as soon as he finds, after, it's not like the plane crashing and a monster attacking is not the reason he quits. It's because this girl who looks just like Lucy Lane is married. And he's like, no. <laughs> so at this point, he really has like the Jimmy Olsen blues, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he decides like, um, I'm just going to watch a movie. Like, I'm just sad. I'm going to go to a movie theater, watch a Candor movie. He doesn't realize Candor movies are a little different. And you plug into a thing that makes you feel everything the main character is feeling. And he also doesn't know that Candor movies are all about him. What? And he goes into a movie theater and watches and feels himself making out with Lucy Lane in the movie theater. Because they've been using that big spy ray, I guess, to make movies about Jimmy Olsen. 
Why nobody told Jimmy Olsen he was a movie star? I don't know. <laughs> also, like, why did he need to get like a regular day job if he's like their movie star? Like, he's obviously that doesn't pay the bills. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're doing this for free. I mean, can you imagine breaking up with your girlfriend, then going to a movie and experiencing making out with her again? This this feels so like uh, Love, Lauren, Jerry Siegel, though. Like at the same time, like I I get those vibes. Oh my gosh, poor. Jimmy Olsen. So, luckily, luckily for him, he finds out that Kandorians have actual Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind technology. Like, that movie stole <laughs> this power from this issue of comics. So, he goes into a sleep, and they erase Lucy Lane from his mind. So, now he's fine. Lucy Lane is gone. Oh, the one scientist is saying the poor lad was in a pitiful state. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just think it's amazing. They ca- like this is the plot of Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless yeah. Mind. They came up with it in this comic in one panel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Superman. Um, <laughs> so then, after that happens, like immediately after that happens, Jimmy and Van Z swap places again because Superman found the element in a distant corner of the universe, and it's probably like not addressed <laughs> that like he has no. Not knowledge of Lucy Lane now or whatever. Oh, no. Don't worry. That gets addressed. Jimmy goes back to Metropolis where he does not contact Lucy, of course, but she sees him driving his car. And then, like, she becomes obsessed with him. Like, she starts calling him and stuff. And he's like, lady, I don't know who you are. (laughs) And amazingly, like, this aloofness, like, starts to really wind her up. And she's like, I love Jimmy. Oh, my gosh. And then, like, Superman talks to Kandor, finds out what's, what that he got spotless mind, and he gives them, he gives Jimmy, like, uh, memory pills, and he remembers. I was going to make a joke that it was going to be a pill, but, uh, I mean, that's obviously <laughs> what it had to be, yeah. And then it ends with, like, Jimmy running back to Lucy, and he's like, I remember you, I love you. And she's, and she's like, like, I don't oh, now care you're about you me. Yeah. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> and that's it. That's the story. I don't, I don't want you if you'll give me the time of day. Yeah. Um, ah, Lucy. <laughs> well, that story she really tore him up in that one. Yeah. That's story one, then, huh? <laughs> yep. Story two is Jimmy Olsen, the giant turtle man. Woo! All right. So Jimmy and Lucy are on a 10-day boat trip to the West Indies. I don't know why. It is not explained. It's a news story. <laughs> is it a news story? <laughs> Who knows? Are they all just vacation together? <laughs> yeah, they could just be vacationing. They're there. a weird. I looked. They're a weird. Thruple. I looked twice. Yeah, <laughs> I could not find it. <laughs> uh, so the boat parks at like an island. Lois and Jimmy get off the boat to visit Can, the local hold island. Hold on a second. The like you know how they have the like the title splash panel and then they're like we'll tell you what's going on. Like this one is incredibly crazy. I wonder if I, I don't know if it happens in the actual story, but Jimmy's shoving battleships into a <laughs> volcano, <laughs> and he looks like. A kid that's just been spotted doing something wrong is like Superman's <laughs> flying in to stop him. It's a pretty, like, that's that's a pretty crazy image in addition to the one of him twisting the bridge sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, you can continue. <laughs> no, it's good. Okay, so Lois and Jimmy get off the boat to visit a local island while the boat they're on is taking cargo of scrap metal. Even though it's like a luxury cruise. I don't know. We'll just take this island's resources as we're going on a cruise. Yeah. Uh, Clark stays behind. Lois and Jimmy are dressed in like island, like, you know, vacation gear. Clark is like just in his full suit what? sitting on the sitting on the deck of the boat reading his book. He's like, I just want to read. Uh, what a nerd. <laughs> on the beach, Jimmy sees a box wash up. He opens it, and he finds a sci-fi gun, of course, right? Which he then uses, immediately blasts a snail with it. The snail becomes giant. <laughs> what a... He, these characters are sociopaths. Like, this is, <laughs> what else are you going to do when you find a giant sci-fi gun? <laughs> blast a snail. Blast a giant, makes it a giant snail. Luckily, the giant snail walks into the ocean, I assume, to die. That um, <laughs> We never see the snail again. Nothing. 
a little bit of trivia, just that Goga is the name of the giant snail from Ultra Q, just because it reminded me of that. Ah. Um, he also then giant blasts a giant, uh, blasts a sponge, making a giant. Lois sees that and it <laughs> yells, Yahoo! Mm-hmm. Um, they both get really excited about this gun, and they bring it back onto the ship. Back on the boat, they find out Clark has left. He's left them a note saying he missed the boat and he's going back to Metropolis. The giant magnet Wait, on what? the boat. He missed that... <laughs> the boat and he's going back to Metropolis. Yep. Yeah, Clark's not in the story anymore. But, okay, that makes sense in like maybe that like he's doing Superman stuff, but like how does he like when he's just like he's what? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, one thing I really enjoy about these Jimmy Olsen stories is they never show, like, Clark becoming Superman. So, like, I feel like if you read them, you might not know. Like, oh, to put two could... and two together? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I mean, I think I talked about this at length, maybe even on the podcast before, but it was always my idea that, like, I don't know, after... I think it was after Superman Returns, but before the, like, Zack Snyder movie things, is that, like, they should have done a Jimmy Olsen movie... Yeah, and like it should have been like him getting into wacky adventures, and like Superman's a character in there, but like he's not the focal point, you know? Like, like that's yeah, that's what should have happened in my mind. But I would have liked that movie. Yeah, but there is this giant magnet on the boat, which is how the boat was grabbing the scrap metal. Wait, did he make the magnet giant with the gun, or is there? Just... No, it was already giant. It was. It's the one to pull. The... Pull the, you know, all the scrap. I'm going to have questions with these crazy uh, stories of this era. Yeah. So the magnet um, messes with electronics and it set off Superman's watch. So so then we see a a shot of Superman in space and he's basically, he's like, this better be important because I was going to enjoy a few days in outer space. Wow, he was on vacation <laughs> with Lois and Jim, and he's like, I gotta get away from these guys. <laughs> he's like, I just want to go to space. That's what I do. When I'm not solving crimes or whatever, I just hang out in space. It's my favorite thing. <laughs> um, so he comes back. A space the... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> nice. <laughs> they explain the ray gun to him, and Superman's like, let me destroy that, please. And... <laughs> Jimmy's like, no, I really want to play with it. <laughs> and then Superman's like, remember when you became tiny-sized? Which I feel like is a sh- low blow because Superman be- made him tiny-sized. Only I may do weird experiments on <laughs> yeah. you, Jimmy, not the other this way. Is, that was not Jimmy's fault. That was Superman's. So, But Superman agrees to not destroy the gun so that Jimmy can like write a report on it, write a story about it. I had to restore about how I keep blasting random <laughs> animals with this ray gun. I mean, I'm amazed that Daddy Superman let him keep this gun. Uh, so immediately, because of the magnet, the gun just randomly goes off with nobody touching it. And on the in the path of the gun is a tiny little baby turtle and then Jimmy Olsen. The turtle becomes really big, but Jimmy becomes even bigger and the turtle attributes at attributes project onto Jimmy. Oh, which that's how he becomes a, tur- a giant turtle man. Which to me does not explain the giant eyes. <laughs> Turtles don't have giant eyes. I mean, I feel like it's just to make it look like that old pulp story. Of, yeah, because <laughs> his eyes are even bulging a little bit. Yeah, he's get- he gets these giant bulging eyes. Also, he doesn't exactly get a turtle shell. He gets his body covered in like in like snakes hard scales. Yeah. yeah, but apparently it looks like enough like a turtle that people always throughout the story, rest of the story, people identifying him as a turtle man. Like when he's attacking the you know when stuff is happening later, they're like that giant turtle man. So so, a- and Lois points out, uh, you've burst your clothing and signal watches into pieces. <laughs> But somehow he gets a speedo that covers him as is the style of the times of giant monsters. As is the style, yeah. <laughs> Always good to point out that weird <laughs> giant monsters need underwear. <laughs> so now he's basically like Gamera Jimmy. Um, the first thing he's does he like, not have his normal I, mind now? Is he like at first? When he becomes giant, he's like, oh, no, I can't talk because of my turtle throat. <laughs> but, he's, but he's, like, thinking still. But he's so big, he's wobbling the boat. Um, and so Lois is like, get off the boat, jerk! 
And he jumps off and swims away. And we don't know what happened to him after that. But the next time he shows up, he's at Metropolis Harbor and he's like attacking the bridge. So it seems like something is different. And he tears the bridge apart and he grabs like all of it. And he walks it to a volcano island where he starts shoving the uh, bridge into the volcano. Uh, maybe maybe his see... brain is the same, and this is just what Jimmy does when he can't talk, and he's a giant turtle man. Yeah. The next thing we see, he's attacking submarines. Uh, he grabs them, and guess what he does with them? He puts them in the volcano. Yeah, he saw that. Uh, before he went on the rampage, he saw that Lucy Lane was dating somebody else down, so that's why he's doing all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, he's on this weird rampage <laughs> kick. Uh, he grabs the transatlantic cable and uses it as a lasso to lasso a battleship, oh and gosh. he drags that to the volcano. As the volcano starts erupting and melting all of the ships and stuff into, like, molten metal, Superman finally shows back up from space and here's the thing that like frustrates me about Superman stories. Superman fighting a giant turtle man would be great. Uh-huh. It's not a fight. He punches him once once lightly on the chin and knocks him out. He's still got a glass jaw, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But it's a great drawing. I think I posted that yes. one. Yes. Like the tiny Superman just punching him <laughs> right in the on the chin. Uh, and just hold on a second. Give me a, a second to catch up <laughs> to everything you just described. So, Jimmy did set off the watch to summon Superman. Superman stayed in space and he was just like, this better be important. Oh, no, he came back down and then he left again. He yeah, went back he out again. into space. Yeah. Okay. And then he didn't get... He had some space stuff. To do. He didn't get summoned because the watch got broken. Okay. Yeah. 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 I was yeah. like, why was he letting Jimmy just go on doing all this terrible stuff for so long? And I long? think the space stuff is really there just to explain why Clark doesn't just like, why Superman doesn't just fix it immediately. Yeah. You said Clark. In, right. the, in these comics, those are two different people. What? <laughs> um. So, yeah, he knocks him out, and he's like, now I'm going to take you into space where you can't do any harm. Which is That's murdering how he's going to solve that problem. <laughs> yeah, because he's like, I don't know what else to do. He's a giant turtle man now. Jimmy's lost his mind. I'm going to throw him into space. You were once my friend, but... Uh... Wow. Let me see if I can find exactly what his, what his thought process is. Well, I, read, I can read the panel where he says, he doesn't understand me. He's become a complete beast, ruthless and destructive. I'll knock him out with a light tap and remove him from the earth so he can't do any further harm. <laughs> like... uh, before he can bring him into space, though, he gets a psychic message. Um, can you guess who it is? Don't tell me that Jimmy's brain is in the turtle. <laughs> no, that is wrong. Uh, That's an amazing guess, though. Okay. <laughs> Uh, no, it's uh, Lori Lamaris, his wow. Superman's ex-girlfriend. Wow. She telepathically contacts him and is like, it's not Jimmy's fault. It turns out that I wonder if evil... Jerry Siegel had a mermaid <laughs> fetish. I feel like... <laughs> <laughs> this part doesn't make any sense to me. Okay, it turns out it was this evil Atlantean scientist, Goxo. Goxo? G-O-X-O. Okay. Who, because he's so evil... He was being banned from Atlantis and forced to live on the surface, but they were giving him a month. They were like, this is going to happen next month. So until then, he was on his own to make crazy plans. So <laughs> maybe it's a uh, G hugs and kisses. You know how if you put XOXO. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> um, so uh, it turns out that uh, Jimmy had been. Uh, obeying Gokso's telepathic orders. At what uh, point? Gox At, when he became the giant turtle <laughs> or when he was blasting things with the gun on his own at regular size? After he became a giant turtle. Oh, okay, okay. Because <laughs> So his plan was whoever got that giant ray, they knew would eventually blast themselves. And that's when they would take over. Why couldn't he... If, if he has a ray gun that makes things giant, I feel like he could have done more damage just... And he can control people things' minds. He could have just made giant things and made them. Here's 
here's why he was stuffing things in volcanoes. Because Gokso had found out that, like, some ancient treasure from, like, a pirate ship or something was on that island. And so nobody else would get it. He would pour the entire, cover the entire island with molten metal so that he could get it later. That's a great plan. <laughs> I don't understand that plan at all. I don't understand how that's any better than just waiting until, like, just going and getting the treasure, if you know where it is. We'll see, but if it's not covered in molten metal, anybody could find that treasure. <laughs> but he already found it. He could go get it. Wow. So, um, Lori tells Superman of this information? Yeah. And then, so Superman goes and gets the treasure, and he also... Brings, Wait, he does this um, before he turns Jimmy back into normal human boy. He then, yeah, he then turns Jimmy Olsen normal, and the way he does it doesn't Is also it doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> no, it's Brainiac's shrink ray, which makes him small, but does not explain how he gets rid of the turtle aspect. That's he's just probably he's probably got a pill for the turtle part, but like it'd be like he didn't. He wasn't going to do that, though, when, like... <laughs> <laughs> nope, because he was like, well, that's your punishment for doing this, I guess. Okay, yeah, yeah. I want to know why, you know, uh, Brainiac Shrink Ray makes you not a turtle anymore. That part's not explained. <laughs> so, but that's the end of the story. It's just... Uh, solved. Wow, wow. So, you know, I thought the similarity of, like, it's Atlanteans... And the big and small. That's, yeah, <laughs> that's kind of it. Um, okay, so you ready for story three? Jimmy Olsen, the Black Magician. Sure. I that was such a high that I just had the <laughs> writing the wave of that story though. The giant. That, that's seems like it's maybe the best story of the three. At least I so think so. Yeah. yeah. Although I like I like story one a lot, just for how insane all the ideas are. Yeah, I bet. You know, uh, also these old, I feel like these older stories do the thing of like old TV of like reusing plots or like reusing yeah. actors for different parts of, of like, they'll just like tell a very similar, if not almost carbon copy of the same story. Like, yeah, you're totally right. That's why it's fun to read like one like issue of these comics, mm. but like I have this big trade yeah. of Superman family comics and I find it almost unreadable because like. You're like, oh, this story, like, Lois gets pow powers again? We already did this story. Yeah, you know? it turns your brain into mush. Um, <laughs> it really does. It's like, I really love that I have the uh, Adam West Batman TV show on Blu-ray, but, like, I can't watch more than one complete arc or, like, you know, a two-part episode yeah. at a time or else it just, like, yeah, it rots my brain so much. <laughs> Yeah, and you start to really understand why, like, Marvel Comics in 63 were so big. Because they're like, whoa, different stories? Mm -hmm. Like, So, okay. Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen, the Black Magician. Uh, so the story begins with Jimmy dressing like a knight for King Arthur for a King Arthur-themed Daily Planet dance. Yeah, that happens all the time, sure. <laughs> he gets there, and he immediately dances with Lucy Lane... Uh, who's dressed as Guinevere, I guess. Even though they never say Guinevere, they say, just say, like, the queen. Clark is dressed as a blacksmith. Lois is a fair lady. And Perry White is the town crier. Mr. Mixelpitalik is, is there, and he's jealous of Jimmy, because I don't know if you know this, but uh, Mr. Mixelpitalik loves Lucy Lane. <laughs> so he, <laughs> he dresses as, like... Is this, like, an ongoing story thread <laughs> that... Mixie loves Lucy? I guess. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Uh, so he tick he tricks Lucy to um, add his name to the dance card by calling himself Joe Smith, and he dresses like a little like gnome or something. Uh, he has to do this Dang, because... she has a very full dance card there. She's got <laughs> ten dudes ready to... Yeah. Yeah, I don't think Lucy is a one-guy gal. She seems... Yeah, Lucy might not actually be dating Jimmy in the way Jimmy thinks she is. Right. But, you know, it's enough that makes um, Mixelpita look really jealous of Jimmy, so he zaps him back to Camelot. Okay, hold on. 
I got to go back to this dance card thing because Jimmy Olsen is number three. She's not, he's not even number one on the dance card. There's John Carroll and Pete Duncan are above Jimmy Olsen. Well, that just that just means the number of that just means the dance. So he got the third dance. Yeah, but wouldn't you get like in the order that you got asked or that you like yeah, the girl chose to put you on the card? Like, I still think that speaks volumes of uh, their relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And I, d- I noticed his name isn't even on there twice, you know. Well, her card's too full. She can't have a double dance with anybody. <laughs> I mean, you'd think if she was dating Jimmy, she would dance with him a couple times. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway. So Jimmy's going he back gets, to medieval times. He gets times. zapped to medieval times. He's immediately kidnapped. I mean, he's immediately arrested because he's an outsider. And uh, I don't know if you know about this, about Camelot, but they're very xenophobic. Okay. So they immediately are like, we don't know you, therefore you were a spy and a villain. He sees a Clark counterpart and he's like, hey, Clark. <laughs> and he's like, I don't know you, villain. And also, though, I noticed this too in the preview images that he recognizes him as Clark. Clark Kent, when this guy's not wearing glasses. Oh, yeah. Good call. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, why isn't he like Superman as blacksmithing? <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> that uh, that would be ridiculous. Happens. You can't have. <laughs> he sees like the he sees uh, his chief, and he's like, "Hey, chief Perry White," and the guy's like, "Don't call me chief, a cursed invader. I hope they hang thee from the highest spike in all Camelot." Oh my gosh! <laughs> the guy who arrested him brings him to the Knights of the Round Table, where he sees like you know the classic knights. Mm-hmm. Sir Galhad, Sir Lancelot, Sir Gawain. The one thing that's super weird is that Merlin isn't a wizard. He's a jester. Oh. Hmm. Isn't that strange? It is strange. Uh, they search Jimmy and immediately find a pencil and eraser, which is witchcraft. A lighter, <laughs> also witchcraft. A dollar coin, witchcraft. A photo of Lucy Lane, who is also Guinevere. So they're like, oh, you stole her image. Witchcraft. And her soul. <laughs> Yeah, and like this dude's a friggin' wizard. Uh, (laughs) Jimmy is like, "Whoa, man, I'm not a wizard. You know who is a wizard? You're Jester Merlin." Merlin, but Jimmy's mainly doing that because he wants the job of Jester. (laughs) If he's going to be stuck in, uh... right? Yeah. Merlin then starts doing more magic that gets blamed on Jimmy, and it escalates crazy quick. At first, it's like there's holes in all our cups. What crazy magic is that? And then it's like suddenly a dragon and like <laughs> That's giant a big rats. Jump. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, of course, King Arthur sentences Jimmy Olsen to death, as you do. But uh, as the last for his last rites, he gets to write a will mm-hmm. that Merlin will read. And here's why Jimmy is a smart guy. He hereby bequeaths everything to Nilrem. Which is Merlin backwards, because Jimmy is smart, and he realizes that Merlin is actually a fifth-dimensional elf, just like Mr. Mixelpick. I like that canon, that idea. (laughs) (laughs) So then the the dragon disappears, the tower is normal, cops presumably don't have holes in them anymore. Mm -hmm. So Jimmy is set free. What a grave injustice. I would think banishing your jester to another dimension would be further proof that you are uh, a wizard that practices witchcraft. <laughs> Is it proof you're a wizard or a proof you're anti-wizard? It depends. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Jimmy is set free and then somehow by tricking Merlin, uh, the spell wears off and he goes back to his normal time. I don't fully understand why. But then he lets Lucy Lane know what's going on and he and she writes Miss, Mr. Mixelplick's name backwards on the dance card. Uh. And so when she doesn't dance with him, he's like, hey, you were going to dance with me. And she's like, show me where it says that on the uh, dance card. And he reads his name backwards. Problem solved. And not only that, because her dance card now is a free thing, Jimmy gets another dance. Oh, and hey. that's the end. That's the happy story is that you get to have a second dance with your girlfriend. <laughs> And she says, you deserve two kisses for that. A kiss for each victory. I'm tired of kissing these other boys while you were gone. <laughs> so those, that was a month worth of Jimmy Olsen adventures from 1961. Wow. Those, those sound like some great comics. <laughs> Fun stuff. If you read in moderation, 
Don't let it rot your brain, kids. Yeah. And, you know, I, I would say the same for 90s Superman comics, too. I can only <laughs> do a chunk at a time. Yep. So, uh, I assume that this... I haven't looked at how long we've been recording, but I assume that this is a shorter... Oh, we're at a, a, a okay, good... 45 minutes. Good length. Yeah. Um, I did... I don't know. We can cut this out, maybe, but I did want to talk, maybe, if you're okay with it, that, like, I've been reading a fair amount of modern current day mm. superman comics and i haven't like planned what i'm gonna say here but uh these are all from like the past two weeks though and like they're pretty good oh wow so the mike allred superman space age is like these three bigger issues the third one just came out uh mark russell did the writing for it it kind of makes sense more now as it concludes i was kind of like, if, if this was going to go on for longer, that second issue, like, kind of lost me where it was going. But yeah. there's some interesting stuff in here with, like, the iteration of Joker in this version of Superman stuff. And then also how it concludes with Superman saving the day, the way he finds the way to save the day from the Earth being destroyed. <laughs> or the whole cool universe or whatever. Yeah. And then... Did it get, did it get anti-monitored? Well, that's what, uh, I can't remember his name, the guy at the bar, shoot, so this is why I wasn't prepared. I po I posted that on Twitter, though, but at the bar, there's a, so a bar sign that says Zod Light, like Bud Light, <laughs> but, um, but Zod, but yeah, yeah, I think it is supposed to be the anti-monitor <laughs> that's doing it. Brainiac's doing other stuff and wants Superman to, like, go with him, but anyway, that, that was that one, but, uh, so... Modern day DC comics are kind of like DC movies where like they don't like fully have their stuff together. I feel like at times <laughs> like they have multiple different, I don't know what's going on with, I think Superman and the justice league got killed off recently. I don't know. I but don't want to back. Right. I don't want to get into that too, but there's, <laughs> they're calling it like Dawn of DC. And so there's a new Superman number one that's out and like, but it's kind of, continuing adventures of things i don't know lex is in jail and he uh makes superman in charge of lex corp and like even has like a giant like superman shield put on top of the lex <laughs> building weird and so and superman's not allowed to just give lex corp back to the employees he has to run it and if he doesn't then it would like all these people, like half the people in Metropolis would lose their jobs, you know, or whatever. Anyway, it's it's pretty fun. Uh, the art's really nice. Joshua Williamson is the writer. And the artist is Jamal Camp Campbell. Cam Campbell. Jeez, it's a simple name. But it looks like they're doing, like, full colors and everything for the art. And then uh, along with the Dawn of DC is... It's continuing numbers, but Action Comics kind of did a restart with 1051 and this is 1052 but there's like it's more of like superman comics like there used to be multiple stories in an issue so there's like three stories oh cool there's one with like current day superman stuff where there's all these different superman there's like connor like the clone of superman who's older was superboy there's John Henry Iron's daughter, I think maybe or something, has like a steel costume as well. There's these two kids from maybe the War World planet or something that like Lois and Clark are kind of have adopted maybe. And then there's huh. also Superman's son who's older. There's Supergirl. And then there's the, he doesn't get much like, I would say screen time, but you know, comic like he, he doesn't get much focus, but the, I can't remember the character's name, but the new Superman series by jing yang that was uh the chinese superman yeah which i really enjoyed that story line when it came out but those are those are fun oh and so that's one of the stories another one is set slightly in the past where clark and lois are raising their kid and he's like it's like right after the doomsbreaker thing and like oh oh in the first story though superman fights metallo and he like 
punches him so hard that like his half his face comes off and then like uses his freezing breath to like freeze him solid and then throws him into space but i guess he knew he, <laughs> uh, he was gonna be he'll throw him into space i guess he knew he was gonna be okay but it seemed pretty <laughs> extreme to me but like yeah there's the the doomsbreaker guy shows up at the kent's farm door to oh weird talk to lois and then the third and shortest and maybe my favorite storyline so far is uh power girl working with i don't know some other character i don't know who but she's got these thorn is it thorn maybe it is thorn but she's got mental powers now and so she's going into superheroes minds and helping them solve like uh personal problems that they have but like by doing like super battles in their (laughs) mind sort of thing weird psychic therapy yeah yeah superhero psychic therapy (laughs) and then the last one is uh Batman, Superman, World's Finest, which I think I shared some of the images with you in our chat. (laughs) Superman's not in this one much, and this is written by Mark Wade. I think this is a fill-in artist. Yeah, because the cover artist, Dan Mora, has been the regular artist, and I really like, like, his style is really good. But the fill-in artist is is decent. Emanuela Lapuccini? But it's uh, Robin and Supergirl go on a date and things do not go well. And there's a monkey that like causes a bunch of problems. And it's just really goofy and silly and fun. Yeah. But like, cool. yeah. I don't know. I, I, I didn't think this is where I would be. Where I, I, I'm not getting enough Superman <laughs> comics in this podcast <laughs> adventure that I'm like seeking out more <laughs> Superman comics on top of it. Yeah. Well, we had a big break on the podcasting. So maybe you're... Uh... Yeah. I, You're really craving Superman. And so we'll get into more Reign of the Superman next time. I'm I think I've been putting it off some I mean we did I had a big birthday month adventures, I feel like, and getting back to work here this last month. But uh this Reign of Superman stuff, it's really I want to relish it, but like it's gonna go by so quick. Like there's yep. not much of it. And then we're gonna get lots and lots of mullet. Yep, yep, yep. Well, I'm I'm or should I let you do the wrap-up first, Dennis? You want to give your info? Sure, yeah. Hey, I've been uh, your host this week, Dennis St. John. You can find me online at DennisComics.com. And that's also my Instagram and my Twitter. My patron is Dennis St. John. And Yoder, where can people find you? Uh, I'm Awesome Yoder on Twitter, that wonderful website. And I... Don't have anything, you know. I'll be taking over the reins of this podcast next time to Superman's playing some '90s Superman to you, Dennis. So I think our listeners should, uh, I don't know, don't be like Jimmy Olsen and spy on your girlfriend, uh, but <laughs> come back here next time and listen to more. If you want, don't get the Jimmy Olsen blues, listen to Superman's playing. Yeah, we'll we'll be your super pals. All right, <laughs> there you go. Yeah.